Welcome back to The Dark Side. I'm your host, Brianna. I'm Dyson. And this is Dark Adaptation. episode 61 it is and uh just straight up uh sorry for the late release oopsie doodle it's all brianna's fault and it had nothing to do with me at all i had nothing to do with it no it's never ever your fault you're never ever doing anything wrong it's always me yeah and i didn't just edit that entire spiel right there to say that i've done nothing wrong Oh, it's just us again, listeners. How you doing? We're just doing our voice checks right now. Just warming <laughs> up our vocals. <clears throat> All right. Okay. Oh, no! Oh, no, they're coming in through the back door! Oh, my oh, no! God. <clears throat> I'm warmed up. Good, 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 good. I just God. have one question for you. What? Do you know the Muffin Man? <laughs> All of that probably peaked. I just don't understand how you, you could do that. The <laughs> fucking gingerbread man voice so well. Yeah, I know. It's like the only per- impersonation you have under your belt. Yeah, and it's not for want of trying. Because <laughs> I'm just still going all in for all the other ones I can't do. <laughs> okay. Dyson, thank you for being here. But this is my episode now. You had your episode last week, which I hope everyone enjoyed. Yeah, I hope you liked it. It was an amazing episode. Um. Like it was fine. Is that something? <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you so hard. Was, you know that was good. Yeah. Is that something that you plan on sticking to? Is that what you want to do? A little, little creepy short starts? No, I just wanted to get the one out of my system. I really wanted to give it a shot. Oh, so you don't think that that's what you'll do? I might surprise you every so often with with a few. Okay. Yeah. Well. I mean, you have like a long time to think about it because mm-hmm. it's episode 61. This is going to be the first of a few parts. <laughs> and <laughs> then, yeah, you won't be hosting again till 80. Yeah. I just, I know I can't help myself from going down rabbit holes because I do, like, after, like, when I had done my other episodes, I started really wanting to do an audio production. Like, I really wanted to give, like, a listening experience type deal. And, I usually get my fix with that, especially with Halloween coming around. But there'd been a lull, right? So, like, the Halloween one, we made that really cool I love um, our Halloween opening. episodes. Or October. It was yeah. like October episodes. We did the opening, and then we did the uh, spooky stories from the web mm-hmm. type deal. And I was like, man, I really want to do that again. I'm really itching for it. So, I was, writing the short story was my way of getting to do that again. Yeah. But then now I'm itching to get back into, like, going in to like rabbit holes and stuff again an actual like deep dive research type deal yeah nothing near as intensive as what you're about to give us i am certain (laughs) because this one's a close to homer this one is yeah and i have been just like elbows shoulders deep at this point Mm -hmm. into it it's um there's a lot because i want to do this one right because i know that i've mentioned before that uh other podcasts have covered this (sighs) But, like, they haven't covered this, really. They've covered parts of this case. Mm-hmm. But, um, as you can see by the title of this episode, The Crimes of Dell and Millard, it's so far-reaching. It's mm-hmm. not just um, Tim Bosma. Yeah. And, which, Tim Bosma in itself is, is a nightmarish case. But, you know, I just wanted to do the whole, you know, story around... Dallin. Dallin. Fuck a dumbass name. Dallin. <laughs> so, um, before we move on here, where'd my note Where'd go? you go, Brianna? I had a note. <laughs> oh. Well, I should, I should, I'll, I'll stall for you. I'm going to fill. Just so everyone knows, this is a close to home story. This is, this is something that happened here in the city that we're in. Uh, more sort or less, of. sort of. 
because it happened in several, but this was like I found my note. a core memory for all of us. Anyway, smooth segue over to Brianna. Go. <laughs> for some reason, my note moved way down. Anyway, the little note that I have here is that the way that I'm going to tell all of you this case isn't going to exactly be in the order that details came to light and like were made public, but it's the best way to tell like the full cohesive story in the order that the events took place, if that makes sense. Okay. So you're going to, you, you're doing what people do for when they suggest doing a Marvel universe marathon might not be the order the movies were released, but this is the <laughs> order that it makes sense. That's a good example. And yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're like you said, close to home. It's another Canadian case, which I have not done in a while. Mm-hmm. The last Canadian case we did was episode 43 um, at the end of November, which was Jaswinder Karasidu. Right. Okay. So yeah. that was a while ago, episode 43. So we're back on uh, our home and native land. We're back on it. You ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. I'm I've never been more ready in my entire fucking life, Brianna. Okay. We're going to do this. This story starts with the 2013 disappearance of Tim Bosma. Tim's case immediately gripped the nation because the circumstances leading up to his disappearance were so innocent and normal. Tim was an ordinary, everyday, working-class family man, a man everyone could relate to because we all know someone like him. So when he disappeared on a warm evening in May 2013, never to be heard from or seen again, Everyone was captivated and confused as they wondered what happened, who took him, and most importantly, why. The investigation to find him led to a sad and gruesome conclusion. Ultimately, the disappearance and murder of Tim Bosma unearthed two monsters and a disturbing pattern of theft, deception, and more murder. As I said, this story starts with Tim Bosma, who in 2013 was a 32-year-old husband and father living in a semi-rural home in Ancaster, Ontario. I, In my head, I could say r- rural. Rural. Semi-rural. Out loud. R- rural. 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 Fucking hate that word. <laughs> Tim was a church-going family man described as a mischievous jokester with a crazy laugh. He was an everyday man who loved his friends and his family. He had siblings and nieces and nephews. He had loving parents. And he was married to the love of his life, Charlene. And together they had a sweet two-year-old baby girl who they adored. Mm. It was around 8.30 p.m., On May 6th, 2013, Tim and Charlene had just put their daughter to bed, and now Tim was pacing around the house. Earlier that day, a man contacted him by phone to arrange a test drive for that night of Tim's 2007 Dodge 3500 diesel truck. And Tim had been trying to sell the truck for weeks online on sites like Kijiji and Auto Trader, as money was tight and the truck was becoming a money pit. Like in some of the articles I read, it like literally all like small things were happening to the truck like over again, and it was like really tedious. Mm-hmm. And then it, it was starting to get problems with like the transmission or the engine or something. So it it was just like him and charlene were like you know what fuck this truck yeah we're calling it let's yeah. just sell it to somebody who has like time money and effort to maintain it but like my god let's let's get rid of this they'd been trying for a while mm-hmm. so while he was pacing around his house tim kind of wondered like who comes this late to see a truck because um i don't think i mentioned that it's monday but it is monday it's monday may 6th and it's 8 30 p.m yeah and a weird fucking hour yeah it's late and they're they have like a two-year-old right so like 
she's in bed now, but it is the week. And especially if he's working like a normal, like Monday to Friday job, it's like, ugh, no one likes Mondays, first of all. Yeah. Then you have to just be up late waiting and pacing around. And it's also so frustrating because I'm just thinking about like times where I've been trying to sell something, usually on like Facebook Marketplace or something, mm-hmm. and people will message you like, is this still available? And like, can I come and pick it up? And you're like, fuck yeah, someone wants this. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, it is available. Yes, come get it. And it's so annoying when they won't keep you updated or if they just stand you up and don't show. Yeah. Like it's infuriating. Yeah. So I can imagine he's just like, oh my God, it's already 830. Like, is this fucking guy standing me up? Mm-hmm. Like, I want this truck gone. Yeah. So he's like pacing. He asks Charlene, like his wife, if he should go with the guy whenever he shows up. And Charlene was like, yeah, you should go because we want the truck to come back. We mm-hmm. don't want to let this guy like go and test drive it. And he turns out to just steal it. Yeah. So he's like, okay, like hopefully he shows up mm-hmm. and I'll go with him for this test drive. So it was 9 p.m. now. And Tim was getting frustrated because this guy still isn't showing up. And Charlene went outside to have a smoke in the garage with their downstairs tenant and friend, a man named Wayne DeBoer. And then it was about 20 minutes later, so roughly 9.20. And Charlene heard Tim's cell phone ring through the garage walls, followed by the sound of his voice. So he obviously answered the phone and was talking to somebody. And then soon after, she heard Tim on the phone through the wall voices drifted up their long driveway it's like pretty long because it's a house kind of in the country Mm -hmm. and she saw these two men approaching on foot and there was no sign of the vehicle that they arrived in which charlene found weird since this wasn't like an area that's typically traveled on by foot like i said it's semi-rural like you're not just walking down the road here Yeah, like, where the fuck did you just come from? Yeah, like, where did you come from? It's kind of sketchy. Yeah. So she immediately was like, oh, that's weird. Oh. (laughs) So Tim came outside to greet them. And the taller of the two men approached Tim. He had light brown hair, a scruffy beard. He was carrying a satchel bag. And he was friendly and he did all the talking. And he immediately was like, oh, a friend dropped us off and is headed to, like, a nearby Tim Hortons. So like almost like he's like reading Charlene's mind of like the sketchy, where did these guys come from? Yeah. And he's just like, a friend dropped us off. He's going to the Tim Hortons. Mm-hmm. It's just to like cover the base there of like, that's why we're walking up your driveway right now. <laughs> the second guy, he hung back. Charlene said that he was unsociable and he was kind of sketchy looking. He was wearing like this big oversized red hoodie and he had the hood up and he just kept his hands in his pockets. Yeah. So just being a little fucking creeper back there. So the guys briefly looked at Tim's truck and the like friendly satchel guy talked with Tim. After a couple of minutes, Tim walked over to Charlene and he had this like big smile and he said that the three of them were just going to go for a short test drive and they'd be right back okay so the friendly satchel guy he got in the driver's seat tim got into the passenger seat and then the hoodie dude got in the back seat as they drove off charlene turned to wayne like the friend and was just like that was weird mm-hmm. and it, it, i would be Saying the same thing, like, that's fucking weird. It's almost 9.30 p.m. They walk up the driveway. Immediately are like, oh, you know, like, our friend is just at Tim Hortons. Like, I guess he'll just be back when we're done. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if Tim or Charlene or anyone knew that another guy would be there. I think they were under the impression that one dude was just going to come test drive. Right. And there's some weirdo sketchy dude yeah now there's now there's two of you yeah (laughs) so wayne agreed like it was weird and he's kind of thinking the same thing that something about the situation was off but to ease the tension he said that might be the last time we ever see him oh no and charlene never thought that wayne's joke would be true Mm -hmm. but after several hours with no word from tim and no sign of him, the two weirdo men, or the truck, 
she ended up contacting police to report her husband missing. What a fucking nightmare. After Charlene reported Tim and his truck missing, the Hamilton Police Service acted immediately. Uh, Tim lived in Ancaster, which is a community in the Hamilton region, which is why it is the Hamilton Police Service. Yeah. We know that. People in Ancaster don't seem to know that. No, I just... They hate that. (laughs) Okay, I just mean, like, not everyone listening to this podcast is from around here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Go to Ancaster, you call it Hamilton, and they got all butthurt about it. Oh my god, whatever. <laughs> it's that... Okay, yeah. So, yes, they acted immediately, saying in a press conference the next day, so May 7th, that they were treating the Bosma case as a, quote, missing persons investigation with unusual circumstances, since Tim had disappeared with two strangers in his own truck. They started their investigation by having a canine unit in a local search and rescue team conduct a grand search of the area around the Bosma house. And the area mainly consists of some fields, farmland, long stretches of road, because like I said, for like the eighth time, semi-rural. Yeah. Rural. Rural. Whatever. Charlene, the family, and Tim's friends... Desperately tried to reach Tim on his cell phone, but all of their calls and texts went unanswered. While ground searches were conducted, police were hard at work tracing the number that called Tim's cell phone, since, like, whoever this person is would have been the last person to be with him. Mm -hmm. But they quickly discovered the phone used was a burner phone. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. year is it? 2013. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you can get a burner phone it's even just, to this day. It's just peak crime. Oh, I just got phone. a burner phone. <laughs> it's just a red flag, ladies and gentlemen, right? If you know someone, they've got a burner phone. Also, another red flag if they refuse to call it a burner phone. Another red flag. Why are they showing you the burner phone? It's supposed to be a secret. Actually, this is not, I'm going to call that uh, like a mild yellow because that indicates they're fucking stupid as shit and you'll catch them yeah you will catch them and they do catch them not yet though i'm gonna call him ash because they're about to fucking catch that ass (laughs) (laughs) good one thanks on may 9th three days after he went missing tim's cell phone was found in an industrial area on the west side of brantford which is roughly 30 kilometers from where he lived in ancaster Mm-hmm. And roughly zero kilometers from where we're seated now. Yep. There in Brantford. So a person cutting the grass at Camira Water Solutions on Oak Park Road found a cell phone on the lawn. And when it was turned on, tons of frantic messages, missed phone calls, all of that flooded into the cell phone. And it was immediately evident to the employee that this phone belonged to the missing Tim Bosma. Because, as I mentioned in, like, the sort of introduction, this case was, like, had to grip the nation almost immediately. Oh, yeah. hmm Yeah. This was national news for a while. Yeah. yeah. So, as soon as this guy or, or girl, th- this person, as soon as this person turned on that cell phone, it was like, oh, shit. God, could you imagine, like... The feeling as you turn that on, it just starts blowing up, and you're like, "Oh no!" Uh, ooh, it got me goosebumps. Ooh. Ooh. At this point, it's only been a few days since Tim vanished, and all investigators really have to work with is that burner phone. So the police had been using the call records to track down other people that the mystery men had contacted, and police discovered that they had arranged two. Other test drives for similar trucks in the days preceding Tim's disappearance. So the first test drive that was arranged, uh, the men either showed up late for the test drive or Mm -hmm. the guy selling the truck overslept. So it didn't happen. I don't know. It's reported both ways. Okay. Yeah. So either way, it didn't work. Either way. uh, Either way. 
Whew. Yes. You lucky fuck. Yes. Can you imagine if it's the guy who overslept? Like how, like, like if he did oversleep, just yeah. Holy fuck! Like, thank Christ. Honestly. Yeah. And the, uh, but they had gone for a test drive in Toronto on May fifth, which is the day before Tim disappeared. So they actually did go on a test drive with a different man before they went with Tim. Okay. So the police. When the police contacted the owner of that truck, the second test drive truck, mm-hmm. a man named Igor Tumenenko, he described the two men that he went on a test drive with, and they physically matched the descriptions of the guys who had left with Tim uh, that was given by Charlene and Wayne, right down to the one dude who carried a satchel bag. So this guy is obsessed with this fucking satchel. He's just going everywhere with his fucking satchel. To the point that people are like, yeah, he had a... <laughs> satchel who does he think he is fucking indiana jones he wow don't you ever speak that way again why'd it have to be trucks igor added (laughs) satchel guy had a tattoo near his wrist that said ambition fuck off in a later interview Igor described tattoos as a quote criminal language where, oh, where he's I thought, from. I thought I thought you were gonna tell me that the tattoos were just straight up criminal. No, no. He said that he describes them as like a criminal language where he's from. I don't know where he's from, but his name's Igor Tumenenko. So yeah. Eastern European. Yeah. Um which is why he paid attention to tattoos, because he's like, well. Huh what's this all about Mm -hmm. then he said quote in my personal opinion it's very ambitious to have ambition on your arm (laughs) (laughs) good one igor had to throw that in there because yeah Yeah. fucking loser tattoo Mm -hmm. so for this test drive interestingly it was the same seating arrangement satchel guy was driving igor was in the passenger seat and sketchy hoodie guy was in the back seat the only difference, really, is that Igor was a big guy and definitely more imposing than Tim Bosma. Okay. So Tim was six foot one and 170 pounds with a slight build, whereas Ego, Ego, sorry, Igor, whereas Igor looks like he's made of concrete and he has a military background. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. he's like just- kind of scary. Would have just beat the living shit out of these Yeah, I would have like hulked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so during this test drive, Igor and Satchel Guy discussed the truck's layout. Again, Satchel Guy, friendly dude, whatever. He was the one that was doing all the talking and sketchy hoodie guys just being a weirdo. Mm-hmm. So Igor and Satchel Guy are talking about the truck's layout, the suspension, and the engine. And Igor mentioned that he was really familiar with the engine as a result of his time in the Israeli army. So Igor said hoodie guy had been, quote, quiet as a fish up until this point, mm-hmm. but finally spoke up to ask him what he did in the military. And yep. Igor went, you don't want to know what I did there. Fuck off. Oh, my God. And said that after he said that, the dynamic in the truck instantly changed and the test drive ended very quickly. Yep. There you go. So part of me wish they did try something because I feel like Igor would have fucking snapped some necks that night. Yeah, he would have. Yeah. So he's actually just the, like he's just the platoon chef. <laughs> I gave everyone in platoon diarrhea. Yeah. He was threatening them, but just with like a good time and a delicious <laughs> dinner. <laughs> no, he he literally made fun of the guy. Mm-hmm. I think it's quite ambitious to get the word ambition. <laughs> Which I agree, it's lame. I have a feeling we're going to be making fun of these uh, two for a little bit here. Once uh, you get the opportunity. Whenever you have the opportunity, like, f- feel free. We already oh, know yeah. these, these two freaks are dirtbags. Dylan. Dylan! <laughs> okay, so with the description of the men confirmed by multiple people, and then you've got Igor's astute observation of that ambition tattoo. Police released the descriptions along with the information about the tattoo to the public, hoping for an identification or for someone to come forward and be like, yo, I know some loser that has the ambition tattoo. Mm -hmm. Someone did come forward, but it was a little surprising on who it was, I guess. 
I mean, just a twist. So Friday, May 10th, Peel and Toronto police advised Hamilton police about a 27-year-old Toronto man named Dellen Mullard, who matched the description and had an ambition tattoo near his wrist. So it was actually the police that told them. Yeah. So Peel and Toronto police had this information readily available because Dellen lived in the Toronto area and he had a criminal record. So he'd been charged with possession of marijuana in 2008 and driving while disqualified in 2012. So when you are criminally charged with something, it's all part of booking is to detail your tattoos or body markings. Yeah. So the tattoo description was on file. Hamilton police immediately visited visited the Millard air hangar to question Dellen. Uh, we'll get into Millard air and all of that in part two. Okay. But for now, we're just focusing on Tim Plasma. Sure. The officers told him that they were investigating Tim's disappearance and asked if they could look around. And Dellen, sa- Dellen said, I thought you were going to say that like a douche. <laughs> <laughs> If anyone is familiar with this case, just know he's, he looks like a douche. He sounds like a douche. Later on, when I'm sure we get to trial stuff, he's a total douche. He's a douche. Yeah, he's just a douche through and through. Just like, he really just got flushed out like a douche. <laughs> In the middle of the night? Ew, gross. Sorry, Left anyway. up like a douche. <laughs> Something in the night. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know why that popped in my head. But. <laughs> um, yeah, especially in part two where we will talk a lot more about Dellen and hoodie, sketchy hoodie freak. But oh my God, this guy's like the epitome of just like a sad brat. Yeah, it's just, just one a of those loser like brat. Failure to launch brats. With- He's just a brat. And he looks like a brat. You know what he looks like? He looks like my old CEO mixed with uh, <laughs> Shane Dawson. <laughs> Your old <laughs> shall be unnamed CEO. I didn't say a name. And- I've worked in many places. You don't know what CEO I'm talking about. But if you knew the CEO, you'd be like, oh, God, you look like Dallin Millard. <laughs> <laughs> And Shane Dawson, which yeah. is also a whoa. Uh. <laughs> okay, so after he went, I thought you'd say that, like a douche, police didn't find anything incriminating in the hangar, but based on the positive description provided by the witnesses, they immediately put Dallin under surveillance. That's how bad this guy is at this shit. Yes. <laughs> well, and they're also like... St- still digging into him and and being like okay we'll just at least tail him for a bit and mm-hmm. keep digging and and we'll get something they, so you know they like left that hangar and they're just like the fucking idiot did it yeah they're probably like i fucking hate that guy and his dumbass satchel and his stupid fucking scruffy pubic beard and his fucking dumbass tattoos all his tattoos are so lame i bet the cops are probably like i wish it was 30 years ago so i could have broke his kneecaps <laughs> like <laughs> There's no surveillance in this hangar. <laughs> Man, is your body camera just feel like it's malfunctioning right now? It feels like mine's malfunctioning right ah, now. It says it needs software update. Reboot. <laughs> I forgot to turn it back on after I went to the washroom. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I would always forget to turn it off while going to the washroom. Oh, God, I bet they're so worried about that. <laughs> anyway. While tailing Dellen... I, literally Dellen D-E-L-L-E-N his name is Dellen yeah it's not Dylan it's Dellen yeah Ugh. it's bad it's okay. real bad I got worked up right there I started to gurgle a bit in my throat <laughs> did you hear that yeah <laughs> so while tailing Dellen Hamilton police were hard at work dissecting his phone records and they found that a cell had been pinging off the same towers at the same time as the burner phone on the night and the day that Tim disappeared. On the day and the night that Tim disappeared. I love the fact that he's such a fucking idiot that he <laughs> bought a burner phone to communicate and then brought his own phone with him as well. I know. It's so stupid. It's a tool. <laughs> it's amazing. They continued to surveil Dallin as he stashed his red truck at a friend's place and then switched to an SUV. The SUV was interesting to investigators because they were in possession of video surveillance that showed an SUV-type vehicle following 
Tim's truck during the test drive. So police weren't able to make out the model, but they were certain it was an SUV. So they were trying to figure out what this SUV had to do with it, if anything. Mm-hmm. So then when they saw him stash his truck and switch it out for an SUV, they were like, now that's interesting. Yeah. This SUV means something. Yeah. On May 11th, as Dellen left a bank, police cruisers boxed him in and with guns drawn, arrested him on charges of theft over $5,000 and forcible confinement. So he went with police quietly and without a fight. Mm-hmm. And after the arrest, police looked into him further and learned that he owned multiple properties and had access to many others. So they began investigating all of them. So they um, had arrested him on charges of theft over 5000 and forcible confinement because using those phone records and stuff and sort of pinging and seeing that they could at least use this to arrest him mm-hmm. and charge him with something while they kept digging for more is because... A truck is obviously more than $5,000 yep. and forcible confinement because they believed Tim was in that truck and w- was essentially being abducted. Right. So they were like, hey, we can charge him with that based on what we've how the phones are pinging and we'll hold him while we can and keep looking for more. Right. On Sunday, May 12th, police went to Dellen's mother's house in Kleinberg, Ontario, which is roughly 40 kilometers north of Toronto. Parked in her driveway was a huge trailer registered to Millard Air. When they cut the lock to enter the trailer, inside, they found Tim's truck. Well, there you have it. It was in rough shape. The inside was stripped and the seats were missing. There were, there was no seats. Yeah. Police (laughs) confirmed with the media and the public that his mother was not involved in any of her son's crimes and she had no idea what was in the trailer because he just like brought it there and parked it. Right. So they they confirmed like, yo, no, she doesn't have anything. She's to like, do have with you this. met my son? I try and block that little shit stain out <laughs> at any fucking opportune moment. The same day, Tim's family was pleading for any information about Tim, and it was Mother's Day, and instead of celebrating oh. with her son, Mary Bosma was giving a tearful message to the media. "Quote: My heart is broken." I love him so much. We just want him home. On this Mother's Day, it is my wish to get my son home safe to his wife and daughter and to his family. That's how she's spending her Mother's Day. That's fucking heavy. Pleading for anything to do, any information to do with her son. Yeah. And it's like not even just her son. Like Tim has a wife and a baby, like a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. So sad. Yeah, this was like a family guy. This is just yes. almost like to the T. That's why it like that's part of why it had just gripped the nation is because Tim could be anybody. It happened to be Tim Bosma, but like what happened to him could have been anybody. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just that's why it's so scary. It was just such a like exactly. It was just you could literally look at like anyone in your life and be like, that could have been him. Anybody could be selling a diesel truck on Kijiji or Auto Trader. Yep. And clearly there were other people because they went for test drives, but you know, they weren't Tim all... wasn't ex-Israeli military <laughs> yeah. like Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's just a normal dude. I, I'm gonna go look that guy up after. I wanna, I wanna know what the fuck he did over there. <laughs> it's, it's some intense shit right there, but anyway. Igor it's just Tuminenko. brutal. So while investigators were searching Dylan's mother's property, and Dellen's properties in the Toronto area. Because, like, we'll get into it more when we talk about Dellen, but he had a lot of property. Because he's, like, a little rich boy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when their mother's property, searching his other properties in Toronto, police had taped off the Millard air hangar in Waterloo, which is where they had first gone when they were like, can we look around? And he was like, oh, I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> so they taped that off. 
and an officer was stationed on the only road leading up to the hangar to make sure that no one trespassed while they were waiting for a search warrant. Another team had been searching Dellen's farm property all weekend, which was located on Roseville Road in Ayr, Ontario, which is near Waterloo, and roughly 100 kilometers west of Toronto and 50 kilometers northwest of Ancaster. Just trying to paint a picture of all the places. <laughs> yeah. Officers were meticulously searching the farm property on foot and on horseback, which is the most Canadian thing ever. Oh, I didn't know about the horseback. <laughs> yeah, on horseback. <laughs> yeah. On Monday, May 13th, Dellen's lawyer spoke to the media saying his client was shocked by the allegations. You know, he's just like a fine, f he's from a fine family. He's a fine boy. And like, it's he's just not even the type of person who would commit the type of crimes that he's being accused of. Who are you channeling, channeling there? I don't just, know. It's my wee lad, Dellen. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I was just trying to sound dumb. <laughs> fine boy. It's my wee lad. <laughs> Dellen. <laughs> Who's this foul beast? That small wee lad. Gimlet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, I don't even know what I was channeling. I was just trying not to sound like me because these are not my words. I do yeah. not think he's a fine boy. No. And, but that's just what his fucking dumbass lawyer was saying is like. <sighs> Moment of silence for the lawyer. No. Having to even utter this shit. <laughs> no way. You know your client's guilty. Can't be, can't be. You can't do that. He's just like, he's a great boy. It's just face is just like, he's just, yeah, that's what he said. He just went out to the media and he was like, he's so shocked by these allegations. He's from a fine family. He's not the type of person that would commit these crimes he's being accused of. And he's going to go and plead not guilty to theft and forcible confinement in court on Wednesday, May 15th. Uh, he will, he's not guilty. He will plead not guilty. He's hyping it up like a boxing match. Yeah, so that's what he was saying. <laughs> But uh, Dylan was about to be hit with one of more charge, though, so, like, <laughs> have fun, Dylan. <laughs> On Tuesday, May 14th, eight days after Tim had vanished, and the day before Dylan was due in court for his, you know, theft and forcible confinement charges, police publicly confirmed that Tim Bosma was deceased. Yeah. Tim's remains had been located inside an industrial incinerator on Dellen's farm property in air. That's so rough. Yes, it was. I remember when the story broke and everyone was just kind of like, fucking A, man. Awful. Yeah, because like the, the whole fucking country was listening to this story for <laughs> weeks on end, right? And it just, no one knew the facts yet, so we were just piecing shit together and then it just kind of landed like that and we were like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is so like the family was public everyone kind of saw the family and all this kind of stuff and you're just hoping and then you know just then then the story just came out like no he's gone and you're just it just it fucking sucked yeah the story didn't even come out it was mostly just like little pieces of like tim is dead and yeah. we found an incinerator yeah yeah and no i didn't mean like story i just meant like and he's that's, dead that's yeah. it and then everyone's like uh can you please elaborate because yeah. what Yep. are you talking about so the incinerator had been covered with a tarp and it was like like hidden quote like stashed away on a dirt road in this like small forested area on the property line of the farm and like this incinerator is huge like the way it was like sitting upright mm -hmm. it's like uh i don't know almost as tall as like the from the floor to the ceiling in this apartment. So like, yeah, like almost 11 foot. Like it's big. Yeah. And it's just, I, was like, I think it was a bright blue tarp over it. <laughs> like, we weren't going to see it. So it was like, just lazily like hidden over there. That just sums up Dylan Millard to like a T. Uh, Dylan. Dylan. Yeah, he's an idiot. Yeah. So inside of that incinerator is where the remains were found and they were burned beyond recognition. And with that, Dellen's charges had been upgraded to include first-degree murder. Police also announced, while well, they were announcing all of this, that Tim was uh, gone and his remains were found in the incinerator, which is just so fucked up. Like, that is fucked up. Yeah. Especially that you're the family. You've been spending eight days at this point straight just 
pleading desperately. Where is Tim? Help us find Tim. Hanging posters, going to the media. Mm-hmm. You already, I know in the back of your head are probably like, okay, this could end badly, but like, let's not think about that. Let's just make sure Tim comes home. Yeah. You're not thinking this could end badly. I mean, you are thinking this could end badly because Tim might be dead, but you're not thinking Tim might be dead because he was put into an incinerator. Yeah, you didn't think it got this fucking dark. You you <sighs> thought it was like worst case scenario mugging gone wrong. Something. Yeah. Exactly. So, yes, during this police announcing all of that, mm-hmm. the police also announced that they were still looking for the sketchy hoodie dude, who they described as a white man in his early to mid-twenties. He's about 5'9 or 5'10", with a small to medium build, dark hair, and he's wearing that redded, redded hooded sweatshirt. Jesus Christ, he's wearing a red hooded sweatshirt. Yeah. Hooded sweatshirt, like just, it's a hoodie. Okay. Yeah. Is that like a Canadian thing or something? A hoodie? I don't know. I've always just assumed everyone says hoodie, but hoodie. maybe not. But okay, so wearing a hoodie. Yeah. They, I don't know. The US is fucked, right? Hockey's ice, ice hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. It's just hockey. I know. So the police also added that they believed they were looking for another person because of the surveillance footage that they had showing the U- the SUV following Tim's truck during the test drive. Mm-hmm. So they were like, okay, we know we're looking for sketchy hooded gu- hoodie dude, but we might also be looking for someone else because of this SUV scenario, but we have no description of this person. We barely have a description of the SUV. Right. They also said that they had no idea where Tim was murdered, when his body was burned, and most sinister of all, why he was murdered. Yeah. Because Dylan and Tim had absolutely no connection to each other prior to meeting for that test drive on May 6th. Other than that, they the, their paths never crossed. They're totally separate from each other. Mm-hmm. So it, it just, I can only imagine Tim's family is just like, okay, but why? Like, was this for a truck? Like, this is stupid. Yeah. What the fuck happened? And then at this point in the investigation, them just not knowing like how soon into the scenario Tim was murdered and all of that. They're just like, we're still trying to piece all of this together, but we do know for sure he's gone. Yeah. Naturally, Tim's family was devastated. And they had spent every moment since Tim's disappearance pleading for information and remaining hopeful that their prayers for his safe return would come true. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned in the introduction and many times throughout this, that his case had captivated the nation and people were faithfully following the news and social media for case developments. So when it was announced that Tim was deceased, people were just sad and like grief stricken along with the family and condolences flooded in from all over the country to the Bosma family. Among the people to offer condolences was here's some uh, political trivia for you. We'll see if you can get it. Okay. Was um, at the time, remember, this is 2013. Yeah. Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath. Hor- Horvath. Horvath. It's a, you say Andrea v? Horvath. Yeah, you say it with a V. Oh, that's Andrea Horvath. I thought so too. Yeah, yeah. Andrea Horvath. Yep. The premier, the Ontario premier at the time. Kathleen Wynne. And the prime minister at the time. That's my boy JT. Isn't it? G- oh, is this Stephen Harper? JT? No, it's Stephen Harper. Oh, it's 2013. God damn. I'm sorry. That's not me thinking Stephen Harper was. Uh, Prime Minister later than tw- that. I it's legitimately. I feel like this case happened more recently. Twenty thirteen. It's ten yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty much exactly. Because I mean, it's May fifteenth today. Guys, if you want to picture Stephen Harper without having to look him up, and feel free to actually look him up later. Picture the old school Lego man with that shitty comb over hair. And oh, there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> I see my spider. Oh yeah, I saw him running around. I saw him running around for a while. He's my little, he's, I call him my little booger spider. You know how fast he is? Probably less than a minute ago, I saw him running around way behind your head. Oh. Towards the lava lamp. So he's a, he's a quicken. Yeah, he's over there now. Um, it's harmless. He was yeah. crawling on my leg the other day. And Kobe was looking at him, so I just flicked it off so that it could go and hide over there near the plants. <laughs> and Kobe wouldn't eat him. Because <laughs> he's like, 
It's a harmless spider, and I want to keep him around so that he can eat all the other bugs that will eat my plants. Yeah, get rid of the uh, fruit flies before they even have a chance. <laughs> yeah. But I was wondering where he went. I was worried because I was like, I hope I didn't flick him too hard that I killed him. But I just saw him. He's fine. Just, just maimed him a little. Anyway, <laughs> got excited. I was like, there you are. Yeah. Um, yes, good, great job. Andrea Horvath, Kathleen Wynn, Stephen Harper. They all offered their condolences mm-hmm. to the Bosma family. Andrea Horvath actually did like a media type thing. Just give a brief. Yeah, presser. Because Andrea Horvath is. She's from Hamilton. Yeah. Is that what you're going to say? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, But then I think Kathleen Wynn and Stephen Harper just did like a Twitter thing, but they still acknowledged it. Yeah. I mean, Kathleen Wynn could have done something like, what's Stephen Harper going to do? Come all the way over here? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. It's probably, I don't know. Playing piano in Alberta or some shit. Ugh. You're right, though. If you want to just picture, like, a He-Man helmet hair, that's what Stephen Harper has. Yeah. I miss the old memes when it used to be his creepy-ass face, and he did this, like, weird smile, and everyone was like, this man is a robot. Ew. Yeah, anyway. So the day after police made the devastating announcement that Tim had been murdered, Charlene addressed the media. Quote, Yesterday was the most horrifying day of my life, and people tell me I have been so strong, and all I know is that I have a beautiful two-year-old girl at home who needs her mommy more than ever, and needs her mommy to hold it together, so I know that I cannot fall apart, but I am broken because a part of me is gone. This was not our desired outcome, but I am still grateful to the police for finding him. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I will say, like, I am often in. There's a lot of criticism with Hamilton police, like 100%. But, like, when they do good, they do pretty fucking good. So, you know. This is. Yeah, this is impressive for sure. This is, yeah. like, not even two weeks. Mm-hmm. And they are. They nailed them down so fast. Yeah. And they worked with other precincts, which I was like, which I've noticed they do a lot. Mm-hmm. just based on other things like they they do work with other precincts so it's like okay all right i don't think a precinct is the right word but yeah it's precinct brianna <laughs> get we oh my god get with the fucking times all right it's precinct you call them coppers right and uh you know it's they're just they're larping like it's 1920s they face <laughs> a lot of mar- <laughs> know what the fuck you're talking about at this point i don't know either so that's the statement that Charlene gave to the media. Mm. And you had said that you're kind of impressed at this point with the Hamilton police. And I agree. Yeah. Uh, I'm also really impressed with Charlene. She. Yeah. I cannot imagine what this would have been like for her. On top of your husband going missing and then you finding out he's murdered and in the circumstances surrounding it, which is horrifying. You have a two-year-old at home. Yeah. And you're still out there. You're giving media um, appearances. And she's so articulate. Like, there's a lot of videos of her. And she will obviously be a little bit crying, naturally. Mm-hmm. And kind of take a break here or there. But she's so strong. Yeah, like, how do you even get through that? I don't know. I, I and a lot of the times she'll have, like, her dad there or her mother-in-law there and stuff. But... Just being able to even get in front of a camera. Yeah, you know what? It just says it all. And it's just this minute detail is like when you do start crying, like you you kind of like that falls apart and you're just it feels impossible to recover. But the fact that she didn't continue is like, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Like I if I get to that point where I'm like, oh, like I don't think I can recover and just go back to what I was saying. No, and she just will just kind of take a second and just be like, OK, keep going. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. She's she's very strong. That's resolve right there. Yeah, for sure. So that night that um, she gave the media statement, uh, it's May 15th. There was also a candlelight prayer vigil held at the 24-7 church at 1400 Plains Road East in Burlington. Okay. Dallin had his day in court. 
and stuck with the plan to plead not guilty to all charges, which at this point, um, his charges had kind of been changed a bit. So the first degree murder was added on to it. Mm -hmm. And then the theft over $5,000 was changed to theft of a vehicle. And the forcible confinement remained. He appeared in a Hamilton courtroom and apparently he was looking like real tired and he was unshaven. He was wearing this shitty rumpled white shirt, these ugly ass gray slacks. And he had these huge dark circles under his eyes. So he looked like fucking shit. That's perfect. Late Mm -hmm. fucking. It just doesn't sound like he was having a bad day. It sounds like he was laid bare for his day in court. I hope so. Yeah. And yeah, he was ordered detained until a a bail hearing could be arranged and he was scheduled to appear in court again on June 13th via video conference. Spoilers, he never gets bail. <laughs> <laughs> I'd imagine the, co- the judge was just like, oh, this dude smells like piss. <laughs> oh, we're doing a Zoom call after this. <laughs> video conference. <laughs> video conference, whatever. <laughs> it smells like piss. Dell and Millard probably smells like piss. It probably smells like smegma or something. Oh, <laughs> they call him Dick Cheese Millard. <laughs> Scrotum boy. The scrot. <laughs> yeah, he's he's probably stanking. Yeah. So, Charlene addressed the media again, and she was thanking everyone for the huge outpouring of support for her and her family. Quote. We know and take comfort in that Tim has touched so many people and any words that I choose will never be able to truly express our gratitude. It pains me to do so, but I must ask for your support and prayers for the hours and the weeks and even the years that lie ahead of us because this will never really be over for us. Mm-hmm. Again, she's out there showing face, just being a fucking strong ass woman. On Friday, May 17th, the city of Hamilton arranged for a book of condolences to be open to the public to sign and share their sympathy with the family. And this book was available at the Ancaster Old Town Hall. Uh, which makes sense because there's like literally an entire nation at this point that wants to offer their sympathies. Yeah. So at least if you're local, which it was affecting local communities, especially in the Hamilton area because... There's probably a lot of people that knew Tim or were close to it or worked with him or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to have like a book to go and write down your um, your sympathies or condolences, whatever. And then another candle lighting ceremony was held. But this time it was held in Harmony Square in Brantford. Oh, okay. And a pastor and choir spoke and sang in Tim's memory. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. no. I thought you were going to be like, oh, do you remember that? Or <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, that's a good point. Sorry, I was, I thought it was music, so I was freezing. But do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. And I remember I wanted to go. But at that time, I was working at Ferrero, so I was doing shift work. Oh, yeah. And I didn't go. I couldn't go. That's actually devastating for you a little bit. Yeah, I was like, I want to go to that and just, you know, just be a part of it to... I don't know if there would have been like anything you can do. Yeah. But just to have that presence to keep showing the family that. Because I imagine are out here fucking everyone. Are, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I imagine everyone just wants to go out and fucking show their support, yeah, especially you just, when you're right there. You just want to be like, he isn't forgotten. Like, he, this horrible thing didn't happen and no one cares. Like, this is fucked up. Yeah. And yeah, I wanted to go, but fucking Ferrero. Shift work was awful. Yeah. And um, no, I know you say you're distracted because you thought it was going to be another music break, but it's not going to be another music break because that is where we are going to leave it for this week for part one. All right. This is this is such a like I, I love going back to this because like I wasn't. I didn't really follow kind of true crime cases very much. So, like, I, I knew about the whole Dellen Millard case to an abstract detail. I knew that, like, about the incinerator. I knew about who Dellen Millard was. 
and I knew about Tim Bosma, and I was always really freaked out about the fact that the dude just wanted to sell his fucking truck. Yeah. But, like, I never got to, like, the actual, like, what fucking happened Mm -hmm. so much, right? So, like, you're doing a great job of just bringing in details that just were never presented to me in the news as I watched it. So it's really kind of neat to go through it again and be like, oh, okay, all right. So this is actually, like, I can actually picture this shit now. Yeah, and add the little details in there that weren't readily or, like, um, immediately available. Yeah, like, I I didn't know about, like, I, I knew zero about the interactions when they drove up onto his driveway. Like, none of that. I didn't know that they fucking walked up. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying it, I was like, wait a minute, how did they even, like, I was like, what? The-? So these guys just walked up and fucking got in the car, fucked off, and then people were like, who the fuck were those guys? And all this kind of shit. Like, I, none of that. I didn't really know much of that. Yeah, and we so will, like, that's a good thing to bring up because there is a lot more to that. Mm-hmm. A lot more to like, did a friend drop them off and go to a Tim Hortons? Yeah. Was there really an SUV following behind them? Like we will get into those details more. There's also more details in that, um, the storyline I've, I've laid out, uh, especially when it comes to like people going to the Millard air hangar to talk to Dellen. And there is more people involved there where it's like, he was at that hangar in the days after Tim's disappearance. And there's other people that kind of saw things and noticed things, but Mm -hmm. that's more about Dellen and his movements. And for part one, I really wanted it to just mainly be about Tim. Yeah. And The, the weird thing for this, like entire story to me is this is just such a like quintessential Canadian case. And I I know it's like, I know we've already harped on like, this could have literally been like anyone that we know. Yeah. And it's just so like typical of just life around here. Like some like semi rural area, like Mm -hmm. a suburban area. Some Uh, dude who just was fucking sick of his truck that was giving him a hard time. Yeah. But even the, even the sentencing, I remember, like I've probably told you a billion times, but like just doing a like i was driving from one province to the other on canada day and the sentencing stuff came down Mm. and i just remember listening to it on the fucking cbc of all things driving home and just being like this has to be the most canadian day i've ever had that's true driving from quebec to ontario yep on canada day listening to sentencing in one of the biggest canadian cases in years yeah i was literally just driving and i was like it was open fucking highway just flat land shit there was water on one side whatever sun going down i'm listening to cbc radio and i'm like this is just such a weird like i'm only painting this picture because it just felt surreal yeah in the sense and i was just like whoa and the sentencing is again something we'll obviously get into in like part three or four probably and i but uh, it was years later. It was like 2016. Yeah, and then the final thing was I also, I also partook in one of what I feel is like a growing Canadian pastime, making fun of Dellen Millard <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. I was just chirping that idiot on the radio. Okay, so. wait until next week when part two is mainly talking about Dellen Millard and mm-hmm. this hoodie guy. We're mm-hmm. going to figure out who the weirdo hooded sweatshirt dude is and then we're really going to dive into Dellen Millard and who he is and where he came from and what is uh, Millard air and why is he a spoiled brat why is he a weirdo rich kid that looks like my old CEO and Shane Dawson had an ugly baby and so perfect i'm picturing it it's creepy yeah that the okay anyway so yeah next week it will be um open season on Dellen mullard because Mm -hmm. the stuff we get into it you just fucking hate this guy Mm -hmm. like he's just a loser like he's a loser and he he's so cringy yeah and ugh. He's a guy who gets ambition tattooed on him. Oh my God. You know, I'll just like tell you guys now about his dumbass tattoos. So he has ambition on his, I think above his left wrist, like 
above the wrist here on the outside. And then on the exact same part of his wrist on his right arm instead, it says discipline. And then on on his, his left nut, he's got Tom. <laughs> and on his right, he's got Hardy. Like just... On oh. his uh, left bicep, it says Desert Baja Racing. <laughs> and in, in his on his forearms, like this, like yeah, it, the inside of his forearm. Yeah, it says, "Oh my god, so bad." So it's like really ugly cursive on the, the inside of both forearms, and the tattoos go together. So on the one side, it says, "I am heaven sent," and on the other, it says, "Don't you dare forget." Oh my god! Look at it. You can barely read it, right? You're, like, trying to see it. Oh, it's like some shit. It's like if someone was drunk and I was like, all right, I want it cursive and Gaelic at the same time. That's the discipline one. And then it's ambition on the other side. Oh, it's just, and it's just a pussy tattoo. Okay, wait, here's the Baja Racing one. I can't wait to see this one. Oh, shit, where is it? It's so bad. It's so Baja. bad. Let me see this. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah, you know what? That's the comic sans of tattoos. Ew. <laughs> That's the wingding of tattoos, actually. I think it's winding. Oh, is it? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, aren't those tattoos absolutely waffle? Well, it's nice that he at least, like, advertises that he's a complete fucking showed, but, you know. Uh, I was trying to think of... Okay, the... Um, I am heaven sent. Don't you dare forget is the the song lyrics from Brand New. So it's also fucking lame. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we'll roast him even more next week. But that's Can't part wait. one. That's like I said. I wanted to start with the beginning, which all this did sort of come to light and unfold with the disappearance and eventual murder of Tim Bosma, mm -hmm. and then. I know this is like the crimes of Dylan Millard because yes, there's more than just Tim Bosma. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't want to just immediately start this just talking about this shit stain. I wanted to at least dedicate something right there to Tim Bosma because it was such a, a sensational big case. Yeah. And I want yeah. To shout out to his fucking wife because I mean, like, I know. I imagine Tim Bosman would be like, fucking God damn it, I'm dead. But like, he'd probably be so proud of his wife. Oh my God, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, this is 10 years ago and they had a two-year-old. like recent. Tim's daughter is like probably 12 now. God, that hits, that hits weird. Yeah. And right. she had to raise her all on her own mm -hmm. without her, Tim, who's like, they were... A amazing pair. They they loved each other. They it's just oh oh my god I don't, don't want to cry. So it's horrible. It's yeah. fucked up. And Charlene is badass and she is strong and she was out there in front of those cameras every day. Even though she was said herself, she's broken. A part of her is gone. Yeah. And she's like, "You're saying I'm strong. I will be strong because I have a daughter." who has no father now mm -hmm. and I'm going to be strong for her. And she's out just there. A, just a master class of a woman. That's for what she is. For real. Yeah. For just real. Strong as shit. So, um, yeah, part one. All right. We'll I still have there. so much to dive into, but I don't even know yeah. how many parts this is going to be. It's going to be three or four. I just, as you, probably four, as you mentioned, like all the other things, that Dylan Millar did, I had forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we are in it for a long haul yeah, with this piece of work. this is actually the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, There's it is. There's layers. And even just talking about Dylan Millard and the hoodie dude weirdo, that will probably be all of part two. Like, mm -hmm. we'll see. So going to post some photos related to this. Um, some photos of Tim and Charlene. Um, the truck. Mm -hmm. The trailer that the truck was found in, uh, the incinerator. I'll post some of those photos. So 
uh, going to do that right after we post this, which we're posting immediately because, <laughs> oops, we were late. <laughs> and, we were yeah. busy on Mother's Day. Mother's Day. It was my birthday. It was a busy weekend. Yeah. So you can follow us on Instagram at Dark Adaptation Podcast to see those photos. Uh, I have a million sources for my research, which you can see on our website, darkadaptationpodcast.ca. You can also buy us a coffee or check out our merch when you're there. I mm-hmm. uh, just wanted to ask you if you've been listening, you've been here, you like what you hear, just quickly, little five stars, please. Yeah. And then uh, we'll be back next week for part two. So until then, we will catch you on the dark side. Goodbye.